Good evening, everybody. I was only going to say welcome to our you. <laughs> but, um, but, um, our 12 weeks to freedom. Um, you know, when I saw that I was going to be preaching tonight and uh, the subject was going to be prayer, um, I, I panicked a little bit. I was going to ask, could I be changed? <laughs> because, you know, prayer is something that, um, that I find difficult. Um, although I, you know, I do spend time alone with the Lord, but prayer, I find prayer difficult. And this, I found this message very difficult to do. It took me a long time to put this message together. So I'm just going to pray and ask God to help me and to help you as well. So Father, we just thank you for bringing us out tonight and for the preaching of your word, Lord. I just pray for everybody here that, that this message tonight on prayer, um, Lord, that you would help us that at the end of this message that we would know uh, what, what, how to pray, Lord? How to how to approach you? How to come into your presence and how to um, how to put our petitions forward to you, Lord? And just a simple um, teaching, Lord, which you taught. And I just want to um, just reiterate that again tonight. So I pray that you would be with me and help me and be with everybody else, Lord, here tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. So we turn to chapter Matthew, chapter six. Matthew chapter 6, you know, uh, Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he had heard my voice and my supplications. And then the next verse says, because he had inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. And, you know, I get from that just those two verses there that um, David is a great example of prayer. He's a man that uh, came under a lot of pressure. Uh, there was people out to kill him. Saul was out to kill him. And there was an awful lot of people chasing him down. And uh, he learned to pray. He, he, he had to learn to pray. Um, just to stay stay alive. But tonight, I'm not. You know, David would be a great example as a as a you know to to, to preach on. But I, tonight, I'm looking at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. I study the Lord's teaching on prayer is outlined in Matthew six nine to thirteen, and this is a famous text, and it's used mainly as a prayer that is repeated word for word without thinking. What do the words mean? You know, and before I got saved, like I mean, I would have said that prayer many times, but I really wouldn't have focused in on what the words were saying. So, you know, I have to ask, like, is this how the Lord wants us to pray? And just repeating that prayer. For instance, when you read Psalm 116, which I've just read to you, you can see that this is a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord for answered prayer. David learned to pray and for his needs and to give thanks for deliverance. So we also need to learn how to pray and to pray. And the only examples, you know, at this time, that we're looking back now uh, to, to the time of our Lord, before he came on the scene, the only examples for people at that time were the Pharisees, and the Lord was not impressed with them. Listen to his verdict on their prayer, which is basically religious praying. If you look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which see it, thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So, you know, when you pray, these people, when they prayed at that time, they prayed so they, can, they could be seen of men. I remember one time being on the streets with uh, Pastor Craig and we were doing a Christmas um, 
we were singing on the streets and Pastor Craig was praying, <clears throat> you know, uh, during it. or uh, He was seen praying by somebody. I was giving out tracts and that person came up to me and he said to me, you see him? Jesus said he's not supposed to do that, pray in public. And I said to myself, uh, I didn't know how to answer him. I wasn't long around at the time and I, I just didn't know what to say to him. But he wasn't, he wasn't, Pastor Craig wasn't praying to be seen of men. He was looking for help. He was looking for, for help from the Lord, you know. Um, but it's funny what things people pick up. He said, but thou, thou prayest, he said, you know, go into your closet and shut the door and your father, that sees, he sees you in secret, he's going to reward you openly. But then he mentions, don't, vain repetitions is what I want to get onto, as the heathen do. He said, be, be, don't be like them, you know, don't um, use vain repetitions. And what I want you to do is go back to... Um, the prophets of Baal in the Old Testament is 1 Kings 18. If you go back to 1 Kings 18, I just, I just want to read it out because it will just drive home that point. 1 Kings 18, verses 25 to 29. 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 25 to 29. It's Jehovah versus Baal. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself and dress it. Sorry, go down to verse 36. Verse 25, I'm right, sorry. Verse 25. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourself and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which was given to them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until, until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar that was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is on a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after this manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past. And they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. So they were praying like mad and they were jumping up and down and they were repeating the same, whatever their prayer was, and they kept saying it and, you know, but there was no answer. But Elijah prayed one prayer in verse 30, in verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord, and that thou hast turned our heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So one prayer, and God answered that prayer, and uh, all the people fell down, and they worshipped God. Um, you know, my experience of praying, you know, how many times did I pray the rosary, like, before before I got saved? You know, when I, in, in my own house when I was growing up, we used to say the rosary on a, on a Friday night. And uh, we'd say, I'd be falling asleep. Uh, I'd, you know, I just, I hated it. I just, every Friday night, I hated it. We were just there praying and praying. But it's what we did, you know, and we didn't know any better. 
we didn't know like that those prayers were not going to one prayer one bound father and ten Hail Marys and a glory be and they weren't going anywhere you know they weren't these prayers weren't being answered at all but it's no it's just vain repetitions it's, there's no difference between our, what we were doing there and and what you see here in in the prophets of Baal there's no difference you know you know when I read that verse there it says um, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. I think about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ when he, you know, he was, he was put to death and he was, he was put away in the tomb and he was forgotten about. And three days later he got up. You know, you have to say that the Lord, he is God. You know, if that, that, like if, earlier on in this he said, if, if, if Baal is God, follow him. And if Jehovah is God, follow him. You have to follow Jesus. This is, that is just an amazing truth that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. So you know that. You know that he was raised from the dead. And he is the one who's preaching here on this message. And he's the one who said, like, be not therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you need of before you ask him. So he's saying, don't be like, don't, don't, don't pray like that with vain repetitions. Jesus is our example for prayer. If you go to Mark 6, 46, I'm just going to go through a few verses. I'll be in Mark for a little while. Mark six forty six. I'm just going to pick out some examples where Jesus prayed. Mark six forty six. This is private prayer. And when he had sent them away, he departed into the mountain to pray. Mark one thirty five. Just go back. Mark one thirty five. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. So he, again, he made prayer was an important to the Lord. Mark 14, 32. It's still in Mark, still the same chapter. 14, 32. This is in the garden before he went to the cross. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I, while I shall pray. So he prayed before he went, you know, before he went to the cross. Now go to uh, Luke. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Before he chose the twelve apostles, he went to prayer. It says in Luke six twelve, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Imagine praying all night to God. Praying all night. He prayed all night to God. In Luke 9.28, I wasn't going to mention this, but I'll, I'll you know, have it here. In Luke 9.28. And it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his wave was, was, was white and glistening. It's just that I, 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 I had it in, I didn't want to take it out. Again, it was his, it was his, he prayed. And he, 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 he always went, he found a private place to pray, to pray, where he spent time in prayer. In Luke 22, 39. Luke 22, 39. I just want to bring out one truth in this. Luke 22, 39. And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him as he was wont. That was his habit. That was his habit. That's, he, he went to pray quite a lot. 
and he, he and I think the Mount of Olives is one of his favorite spots for prayer. So this is just one of those places that he went to pray. In Luke twenty two thirty nine, that I've just read, and in Luke uh, in, in verse forty it says, and when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Um, I'm not quite sure I mentioned that. It's just that maybe I just wanted to point out the fact that, like, you know, if you're looking for victory over sin, you need to pray that you enter not into temptation. Luke 18.1. Luke 18.1. And you all know that one. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, no matter what we're going through, we need to pray. And finally, Luke 11, 1, you'll be happy. And this is the one that caught my attention, Luke 11, 1. And Luke 11, 1 says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So that's what I've entitled the message, Lord, teach us to pray. And, you know, <clears throat> I was just thinking, like, you know, when they heard Jesus praying, this particular disciple, I suppose he felt he could see in himself that, you know, he didn't pray like that. And he wanted to be able to pray like the Lord prayed. I've often been at meetings where I've heard other people pray. And I said to myself, I'd like to be able to pray like that. And, you know, I'd like to be able to have that kind of um, relationship with God where I could pray like that. It seems to me that this disciple listened to the Lord as he prayed. He knew that there was something lacking in his own attempt at prayer. I think that Jesus' relationship with the Father shone true in his praying. Don't you too feel that longing? Wouldn't you also want to pray like Jesus? And here is the Lord's response to his, his cry. This is what the Lord said to him in Luke eleven two, to verse 4. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For many years, although I knew this prayer as a child, I never, I never prayed it in the way that it was intended. I said it off by heart, with all the Hail Marys and the Glory Bees, and there was, there was no, my heart wasn't behind what I was praying. I was just saying it because it was routine. It was something you did because you were told to do it, you had to do it. It was not until I, you know, in later in life that I got addicted to alcohol that, and in trouble did I look to God. And it was then that my prayer life started to change. Um, my prayers were very simple. Help me to stay sober today. And I would pray at night, <clears throat> thank you for keeping me sober. You know, without, <clears throat> without knowing the Lord and my need of salvation, I just prayed these simple prayers to God and he answered me. And it was at that time that I began to see why people turned to God. It was at that time I could see why people went to church. They were going down to top up on the grace of God so they could get through the rest of the week. I went to my fellowship for the same reason, to get hold of God and to stay sober. There are things which are beyond our ability to fix, like addiction, like sin in our hearts, like strongholds, like anger or hate or our life's trials, you know, sickness. These things, you can't fix them. You can't fix them, so you're going to have to find out 
how to go to God and pray. But my problem was I never knew God as my father. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our father. That means I have someone to take care of me. Just after I got saved, I remember being in town with Brother Martin. He just came in there tonight, and he just reminded me. And um, he was just talking to me, asking me how I was getting on. And I said, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, although I had a father when I was growing up, I didn't have a father, if you know what I mean. I didn't have anyone to guide me. And he says, you have no. So <clears throat> we have a father. He's our father. So that phrase, our father, is an acknowledgement that the God of heaven and earth, who is eternal, holy, good, all-powerful, is your father. And he's a good father. And a good father watches out for his children. You are coming into the presence of someone who loves you and wants you to trust him. When we come to know God as our Father, that's when we receive when we receive Christ as our personal Savior. That's when we come to know God as our Father. We know that we were once lost, but we're now found. We know that even though our intentions may have been good, you know, before that when you prayed, before you knew God, we were in fact obeying the God of this world and our own sinful desires. We were like our father, the devil. In John 8, 44, Jesus said, ye are, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. Because his lusts are what I did before I got saved. But in Galatians 3.26, the Bible says, For ye are all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. You're not a child of God because you say so. You're a child of God because your faith is in Jesus Christ. And now you can come to the Father, through the Son, into his presence. And it was mentioned today. Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly, that's with confidence, unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So now, our relationship with God is established. We're calling him our Father. And he expects us to behave as his children. So it requires a decision on your part, on our part. Who are we going to follow? Our Father or the devil? Like All you have to do tonight is reject this message or reject what, what the preacher is saying or reject what the pastor is saying and you're now following the God of this world, Satan. So you decide who's going to be your father. Whenever you come into God's presence, you worship him. I'm moving on now to the second part. Uh, I've covered our father. I'm just taking each phrase, okay, and I'm, I'm commenting on each one. The second part of, of the, that prayer says, Which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. You know, his name is Jehovah, the great I am, Jesus. And he's God-like. If you go to Acts chapter 7, verse 30, I just want to give you four examples of how people interacted with God when they met him. Acts chapter 7, verses 30 to 33. And when 40 years were expired, this is Moses in the wilderness, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush the burning bush. When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and he drew near to behold it. The voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst behold. So when Moses came into the presence of God, he trembled. He trembled. Isaiah, you go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Someone else who came into the presence of God, a prophet Isaiah. 
I'm going to read from 6, 1 to 7. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon the mouth and said, Lo, this had touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. He said, when he saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me, I am undone. He knew that he was a sinner. And it's the same with us when we got saved. Woe is me is what we said. We're undone. We need, need to be saved. And his sin was purged. And so is our sin purged. Revelations 1, 17. Revelations 1.17, the Apostle John, he's an apostle, he's saved, he was in Patmos, and he, he was called up to heaven uh, for the book of Revelations. In verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. When the Apostle John came into his presence, he fell at his feet as dead, and, and the Lord had to say to him, Fear not. Go to the book of Hebrews now, chapter 10. Just back a few, few pages. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. Am I there? Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus... We can enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Um, that, is, that is just an amazing truth, an amazing fact. That as a Christian, we can go right into the holiest of holies. And because, only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, we praise and thank him for the sacrifice of his son. So you're coming into the presence of the Lord, and you're praising him now, and you're thanking him for the sacrifice of his son, for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which was offered as payment for our sins. In 1 Peter 1.19, I'll just read it. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. All those animals in the Old Testament, they, they were without, if it was, a, it was one spot or one blemish on them, they were never offered up for sacrifice. Still, Jesus Christ lived 33 lives in a body like, like ours and never sinned any one time. He was spotless. His precious blood, that's what saves us. So we come into the presence with the knowledge that grace has been extended to us and that grace is the gift of God. In the Old Testament, Esther, in Esther 5.2, when she went before the king that time to plead for her people, it says this, and it, I read it, and it, it, and it was so that when the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. So we praise God that we can draw near to him because the precious blood of Jesus. The scepter is also extended out to us through the blood. And I think that's just amazing. And if you, you know, if you even just think of that, like when you go to prayer and go to God, 
You have a lot to praise God for there. An awful lot. Then we move on. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we move to a place of surrender. There will always be a clash of wills in our lives until we come to a place of surrender. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we're asking for God's rule to be first in our lives. This works itself out in the everyday things of our lives. What we say, what we do, how we spend our time, who we marry, where we work, where we don't work. You know, we, we work out that rule in his life in the, in the, in the, daily, the, the, the daily things in our lives. We separate ourselves from the rule of this world and we set our minds on becoming more like Christ. We obey his standards and begin to take steps of obedience that reflect his will. And then we begin to bear fruit. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus, he spoke about righteousness. He said, seek his righteousness. Before you go for bread and all the other stuff, seek his righteousness first. We're not coming to God to boast that we've had everything under control when we go to the throne of grace. We're coming to God because we need help. Before anything else, we are to seek his righteousness first. And his will includes working, you know. It includes working to build his kingdom. It includes work here in the church. It includes soul winning. And to do this, you have to be filled with his spirit. Although every believer is sealed with the spirit until the day of redemption, it says so in Ephesians 4.30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. But not every believer is filled with the Spirit. You will need God's Spirit to help you to do His will. And you can ask for that filling. Because Luke 11.13 says, If ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? So you've only got to go and ask Him. That's what it says here. It says if you go to the throne of grace and ask Him for a filling of the Holy Spirit, it says He'll fill you. So we go to our Father and we ask him to help us to do his will. And we tell him, you know, where are we having problems? And then we ask for his help. Stay close to your Father and ask him to help you. And the next petition will be, give us day by day our daily bread. We ask for daily, our daily bread. We're to ask for our needs, both physical and spiritual, on a daily basis. We need bread to eat and we need the bread of life to strengthen us. And he supplies both. In Matthew 4, 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So we need this, this, this bread that we need. It's the word of God. And we need to understand it. And we need to go to the one who leads us into all truth. He's the one that explains what the word means. In Ephesians 3, 14 and 16, Paul prays this, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. And that's where we need to be strengthened, by his, by his Spirit. Strengthened with might by his Spirit. We need strength on the inside. We need the strength. As the body needs food, we need his might, his power. So we go to the throne of grace and ask. We're only going to get enough for today. We're going to have to go again tomorrow to ask for more. You know. So what do you need? What are you struggling with? Did you go to the throne of grace today and ask for, for help? 
What happens if we don't do that? If we turn, if we don't turn to God to meet our needs, we're going to try and meet them our own way. We go to James chapter four. Wondering why you have problems. James chapter four, verses one to three. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even from your lusts, even of your lusts, that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it on your own lusts. So why do we have problems at home or in the office, or why do we have problems here in church with people that we fellowship here? Because lusts that war in our members. We have problems with people because we want our own desires met. We don't want to meet their desires. In verse 2, uh, we have not because we ask not. We're not praying. We're not praying. Our eyes have been turned back on self in the world. And if we are praying, it is with a selfish heart. We want to consume it upon our own loss. I wrote down here, um, I like to go walking, you know, and uh, I try to walk three times a week. You know, try to make sure that I stay in shape and just I like to go to Monkstown and uh, I walk there and I see all those boats there bobbing up and down in the water you know different yachts and stuff and I'm walking along and I try to listen to my preaching or what I'm listening to my attention is drawn over to those boats you know and uh, I came home there some time back and I said to Dean I think I'm going to get a boat and uh, she looked at me and she said you better pray about it because I didn't have any money I still kept looking for this boat. I went online and I, I, I fixed I had the idea I want a specific type of boat, a certain length, a certain weight. I know exactly where I want to go with it. And uh, I put that in and a boat came up down across Haven. And I went down to have a look at it. And it wasn't in great nick, but I didn't kind of take that into account, if you know what I mean. I wanted this boat like. But it turned out like that, you know, I just, when I, when I did pray about it. I asked God, can I have this boat? And he didn't say anything back to me. <laughs> but he didn't say no either. Anyway, I went on the internet again. The boat was sold. So I think I got my answer with that one. <laughs> so it's our own loss, you know. I mean, I'm there. I'm trying to... I want to serve God. I want to... Well, this boat is just coming into my head, you know. So the next thing I get a phone call from a friend of mine asking me, will I help him to sort out his boat for him? He's got a problem with his boat. So I may have a boat for nothing. You never know. So, you know, but to get back to what I'm talking about here, about the heart and, you know, selfish heart, sometimes we get things stuck in our hearts, and the last thing we want to do is to go to God in prayer. We just don't want to go to God in prayer. I didn't want to ask God for this boat, because I didn't say no. <laughs> so he said no. But it's, that's the way it is. We, we have things stuck in our heart, you know, there's, there's serious things stuck in our heart as well. And, you know, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In the program, the addictions program we do, 12 Weeks to Freedom, we teach that all our problems come from the heart. So if you just go back to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 9, I know you know it, but I want to read 10 as well. <coughs> Excuse me. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. 
God tests our heart. He tries our heart. Um, he shows us what's in our hearts. And he, he, then he waits for us to humble ourselves and to come to him in prayer. Everyone here needs that knowledge that your heart is deceitful and wicked. And you don't know what's inside your heart, but the Lord will show you what's inside your heart. He will bring circumstances into your life and you'll see there's stuff in your heart that you need to get fixed and you cannot fix it yourself. You'll need to go to the throne of grace to get it done. So everyone here needs that knowledge concerning his or her own heart. We need surgery and we need his grace in time of need. We can't fix ourselves. I'll move on to the next petition. And forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. To maintain our fellowship with God, we must be right with our brothers and sisters. Our sins are forgiven and our relationship with God is secure through Jesus Christ. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10. Our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That's you if you're a Christian, in 10.14. In verse 17 and 18, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these, these is, there is no more offering for sin. So, you know, we have liberty to go into the throne of grace because of what God has done for us. But he will hold us accountable for what we do and how we behave towards one another. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, um, that he says that we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of ourselves of what we did in the body, whether it be good or bad. So we are going to give an account of God, to God for our lives. Well, when it comes to prayer, now he says that if we have unconfessed sin, he will not hear us. Again, that was mentioned today. Isaiah 59.2 But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. He won't hear you. God will not listen to your prayer if you go against his leading to get right with your brother or your sister, husband or wife, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. God wants us to be right with one another. There's no point in going into God and just putting on an act. We have to tell him he knows what's inside our heart, as Brother Dan said this morning. He knows exactly what he's waiting for us to tell him what he already knows. When, you're, when you pour your life, let's say, let's say you're in ministry, and you, or you pour your life into a ministry or a job or marriage, whatever, where, where someone does not appreciate your efforts, okay? The natural response is to say, you know, all right, just, just, you can go your own way. You know you're wrong, even though it might seem to be the right thing to do. God came after us even though he, he, he was rejected by us. He didn't quit. If there is someone in your life that really tests your patience, maybe God wants you to do the impossible and forgive that person. Matthew 5.44 says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you. And Matthew 5.46, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to shine, to rise on the evil and, and the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So what I'm talking about here is a very high calling. This is a, a very high standard, and it's not something that we can in our own power do, but it's something that we can be helped with if we go to the Lord. Paul described this as a high calling, a high standard. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, he said, he described it as a vocation. It's a calling. I looked up the meaning of vocation. It's a calling. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where which you are called. You're called with a vocation. With all loneliness and meekness, 
with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God's really concerned about unity uh, in the church, in the home. He wants us to, to get on together. He wants us to have unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Like a teacher has a calling or a vocation to teach. And, you know, I, I watch teachers like, I mean, there's teachers have a hard job, especially nowadays. There's a lot of grief attached to teaching. Um, you pour your life into some, to teach somebody from whatever, a very young age, and then they just go straight later on. It's the same with a family, with a child. So there's a lot of grief attached to that as well. So, so it is with the Christian. You know, our calling is to be like our Father in heaven. He wants us to be like him. If you are in a situation where your patience has been tested to withhold forgiveness from a person, that's sin. If you're withholding forgiveness from somebody, that's sin. For the most part, we're not involved in outrageous sin. We're not going to be downtown later on tonight. But we do sin. That's the point I want to make to you. Everyone sins. We do sin. And this is an area that's common to all of us because we are in close personal relationships with one another. We are to have an attitude of lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing. Forbearing means to put up with, in love. So why, so why, why, so to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, like church unity and family unity. So what is the result if we just apply these truths in our lives? When we then pray to God, He will hear our prayers and petitions. God will hear us if we get right with each other and then go to God. God's going to hear us. And um, the last one then that I'm covering is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This final petition is to ask God for his protection from evil. Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It says in Matthew 4.1, Then was Jesus led up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Notice he was, he was led up to be tempted by the devil because God doesn't tempt any man. He doesn't tempt anyone with evil. And the devil does, but God, but God allows the temptation to see what you're going to do. He already knows what's in your heart. Maybe you don't. He's shown you some things about yourself. You don't know how God is going to lead you this week. You don't know what's ahead of you this week. So you need to pray that he will deliver you from evil. God has given you his armor, and we're told to put on that armor daily. Each piece put on with prayer, we sing it here, so that we can fight against the wise of the devil. We fight against his lies and his schemes and his devices and his traps. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion, Walk it about seeking whom he may devour. Andrew was preaching on that temptation on uh, Friday night. Or who was teaching? You were. Andrew was teaching, yeah. And um, I just, I was sitting down at the back and everybody was listening. And I just thought maybe if I had a big speaker with a lion recorded on it, and at that moment let it fly, you know, and everybody would have jumped up, like, you know, because, because that's exactly. You know, He's a, he's a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking who he may devour. To just wake people up to the fact that he's there, you know. We need help. We're told to pray and ask him not to lead us into temptation. But if God does lead us, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. We need to be sober. And we need to be vigilant. So put on your armor. as Like it says in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. If you go to Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Let's go back a few books.
We're asking God to keep us from evil and he's telling us to put on our armor. Put on your armor, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and your having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. But you got verse 18, and it says, Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the first armor, piece of armor we were put on is truth. The next piece, breastplate of righteousness, that's to protect our heart. Then the shoes of the gospel of peace, that means we're not just sitting back, but we're attacking into the enemy, into enemy land. You put on the shield of faith to quench all those fiery darts that the enemy is going to shoot at you during the week. We believe God and not what we hear. You put on the helmet of salvation because he's going to go for your mind. He's going to try and put doubts in your mind. And you wear that helmet and you cast all those, those doubts down. You put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then you put on praying. And you're not praying just for yourself. You're praying for others as well. So the devil will want to defeat you and knock you out of the fight. You know, he's vicious and he's slick. So pray that the Lord will be with you when the attack comes, because it will come. You know, the Christian's eyes have been opened to the evil of this world. You know, we can, you know, this time of the year is Halloween. It's just around the corner. Um, we can see the, the evil that's in the world. I, I couldn't see it before I got saved, but I can see it now. You can see people dressing up a bunny rabbit standing at bus stops and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just evil, right? But like the question is, are you going to be here on that Monday night with your brothers and sisters proclaiming the truth? Or are you going to blend into the world and remain in sin? So I'm just going to read Luke 11 again, 1 to 4. Go back to Luke. And then close, close, close the uh, sermon. Luke 11. Luke 11, 1 to 4. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we've spoken about our Father, our relationship with him. we said that he's holy, you know, and we're, we're there by, by the mere fact that we're covered by the grace, by, by the blood of Jesus, we're there by grace. We're praying that his kingdom will come, that, he, his, rule, that his rule would take place in your heart. Uh, we're praying for our daily bread, both physical and spiritual. Uh, we're bringing our problems to him. Um, we're asking him to forgive us as we forgive other, others. And we're, we're asking them to protect us from evil. Um, and to do that, we put on the armor. These are the elements of prayer that the Lord Jesus taught his disciples. So it would be, study them. It would be good to take out this again and go through it for yourself. It will help you to pray. It has helped me to pray. 
Study them and apply them in your own personal prayer time. This is how to pray. This is how you pray. The rest of this now is up to you to pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've given us in your word. And I pray you help us, Lord, to pray. We, we're just, we've just looked at how to pray. And you've, you've told us how to pray. And but we need to pray, Lord. And I pray you help us to do that, to pray. Um, Lord, you prayed all night with your father. And uh, it just strikes me, Lord, that, that there, it was the fellowship between you and the father that, that you were there all night. You just you got into prayer, Lord, and you stayed with the father all night. I pray we'd be the same with us, Lord, that we would get into prayer as well and spend more time with you. And we get more answers, Lord, to problems in our life and more power to overcome sin in our lives. And we'd be able to live this Christian life then, Lord. But we need to spend time in prayer with you. I pray we would do that this week, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.